everyone and welcome to another excellent episode of Murray Musings. Uh, I'm here today with my usual co-hosts Peter and Scott. Scott might be a little bit quieter than normal because he's apparently feeling poorly so um, all your ears are going to get a nice rest and we're also here with a very special guest. Some of you will, if you follow our account closely, you'll have already come across him. Um, I had the pleasure of chatting with him I was going to say last month, but it was almost two months ago now, how quickly time has gone by. Uh, we've got the absolute pleasure of having Tom Humberston with us in Money Musings HQ this evening. And Tom is the author of the graphic novel Suzanne. Um, so I, I think quite a lot of you who listen to us have read the novel um, and we're going to dive in with Tom and chat a little bit about it as well as his love for all things Andy Murray. Tom, welcome to Murray Musings HQ. Uh, hi, nice to see you all, and nice to Good meet to you. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us this evening. Yeah, pleasure. No, it's really nice uh, to be here. I, I, I'll jump in and say as well, yes, um, Tom, like, I, I want to clarify, like, I, so I'm feeling, yeah, a little bit under the weather right now, and Tom, this is me looking for sympathy from you, because like I, I told Peter and Claire this, I was like, you know, apologies if I'm not talking, but I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. And typically, like straight away, they were like, oh, that'll make a really quiet, nice, easy episode, uh, you know, for once uh, you won't be, be chit-chatting away. So, yeah, you know, like, I'll, uh, yeah, I, I do apologize if I'm a little bit kind of, you know, less, um, less like I'll, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit gunged up at the moment. So I do oh, apologize no. for that. Um, but yeah. But, Do you know what the funny part is, though? He's still talking as much as he normally would. <laughs> yeah. so. I was about to get a word in. and it's a <laughs> still not been able to say anything. Um, but I just finished your book, and it's amazing. Um, our usual first question is, what is your origin story? How did you get into loving tennis? And more importantly, of course, for you, is uh, your writing story. How did you get into uh, graphic novels? Mm. Yeah, oh, well, I guess I, I imagine that my origin story in tennis is pretty familiar for people growing up in the UK. It's like just sort of like Wimbledon being sort of like the wallpaper, like it's sort of there throughout mm -hmm. your summer. Mm -hmm. um, for me, like my mum really loved watching it and my house was never a particularly sporty house. And like my dad in particular was just not into any sport, even tennis. So I just have really fond memories of watching the tennis with my mum. And uh, Wimbledon would sort of land in the week just before summer holidays, I think, or the second week would definitely be part of the summer holidays. So it would, okay. I always associate it with like, it's the start of the summer. It's, you know, the joy of being able to just sit and watch uninterrupted tennis for <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's a, a little window into my <laughs> my summer holidays was just sitting in front of the TV watching tennis. <laughs> um, but uh, it's yeah, kind of sporty, I, isn't it? It's kind of outdoorsy. Yeah. <laughs> sports exercise, right? <laughs> um, so I grew up watching it there, and I guess I sort of probably followed a lot of the British players at uh, that you know early doors, and I would just sort of. You know, whoever, like, I think my mum was a Be uh, Boris Becker fan. And so I just sort of automatically, as a contrarian, supported Ed Berg. And nice. yeah, sort of, like, got into, got into it like that. Um, yeah. And just sort of, I, it took, I, I remember sort of when uh, Claire and I talked to her um, at my book launch, like, I was talking about the, the idea of, like, uh, if you didn't 
beyond the BBC and being able to watch Wimbledon, uh, having access to the rest of the tour was really difficult. Um, and I've, I've never been very um, good at finding the, the streams and stuff. And uh, even, you know, so I'd, I'd say probably only, I, I, I got a subscription to the WTA channel like a few years back before uh, Prime bought the rights over here. Um, so I'd, I, I, it took me a while to like figure out how to just like follow the sport like outside of Wimbledon and I think yeah. French has been on ITV and stuff here mm -hmm. but um, I never had like Sky or Satellite and so um, yeah it took me a while to like just be able to like get the broader scope of what was happening on all the tours um, I don't know how, it, it feels like whenever I listen to your you know your podcast and you talk about like the early career of Andy and being able to watch like the US Open win and stuff like that that you were you all actually being able to watch a lot more of it yeah I I I, I seem to I seem to remember like because I guess like it, it's an interesting one because when you were you you, you were chatting uh, like about you know like struggling to get like streams and stuff like that for tennis like I definitely remember feeling somewhat similar because again, I, I I didn't have like Sky or, or anything like that when I was growing up. And like, so for Andy, it was very much a case of like, I remember watching his like US Open matches. I don't know. I don't know if this was maybe the same for, for, for you, Claire, also in Scotland, like, but like watching it on like a really bad stream, like that was definitely mm -hmm. totally legal, totally legal. Like, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. like it was like on, like LimeWire for tennis, like LimeWire, like or something like that. Like honestly, like it was yeah, and it was like at like three a.m. in the morning and things like that. Like what, like watching him play these matches. Um, but now, like I guess, like sorry, we're going vaguely off topic now. We'll get back to like how you got into your writing in a minute. So, but like, I, I find it, I find it quite fascinating now that like you know you know back then it was a case of like if you didn't have sky or something like that you you really just couldn't watch much tennis but now it's almost like the opposite you almost have like so many different streaming sites there's like tennis tv there's like the, the you know whatever it is like there's amazon there's things like that like and it's almost like now i need to subscribe to all of these to, like, yeah, that, that's yeah. actually yeah so it's like it's still it's still a massive problem to be able to watch tennis because you can't just it's not just all in the one place yeah. So like yeah. where whereas before you couldn't find it anywhere, now yeah. you can find it everywhere, but you have to pay X amount of money yeah. for yeah. each individual subscription. So for like sure. I think yeah. I think is it Tennis Channel International? I think it's like the most reasonable at two pounds forty nine a month. Yeah. Oh wow. Which yeah. is yeah, it's actually it, it's it's really and it has a, like a lot of the kind of older matches that you can catch up on it, and you can filter by player as well. Um, which tennis TV does something similar, but tennis TV is ten pounds a month. <laughs> just like, yeah. I'm like I'm not paying that. I'm just not. I'm just not doing it. Um, yeah. And then obviously you've got. Does that does that carry everything? The... I you know I can't remember, but I will check for you and let you know off. I don't want to send this, make this sound like I'm promoting tennis. Although you want to get in touch with us, <laughs> like, if you want to sponsor yeah. us. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I, I've, I've definitely watched a lot on there. Um, and is it right that tennis TV only does ATP matches? Yep, only yeah. men's. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Whereas tennis, quickly, I'm sure Tennis Channel International does both tours. Yeah. yeah. And Amazon Prime still covers some stuff, but they won't next year, right? 
they've uh, got one more year left on their contract. Oh, they've got one more year. Okay. Yeah. I heard so by Sky the end of twenty was, by the end of twenty twenty three, that's when Sky takes over. Gotcha. Um, real quickly for me, um, when I was uh in college, I was at an apartment and they had cable and everything, but they didn't carry tennis channel. And that was pretty much the only thing that covered tennis um, all year round. And so I had to buy a satellite dish and just put that like <laughs> right off my balcony. Um, and you're not supposed to have any satellite dishes <laughs> at all. But still, just to watch tennis, like, uh, I mean, come on, I had to do it. So, it's so funny, isn't it? Really it's like talking about satellite that. dishes. We're, we're all giving away our ages here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. I also feel I've completely derailed the podcast. Like, this. oh no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Tom. Yes, like, um, how how did you translate your 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 love of tennis, like, uh, eventually into obviously like producing this book or or just writing generally? Yeah. Um. So I've been like a comic artist uh, and sort of full time freelance illustrator. For about 10 years now um, and around around 2014 so I've been um, uh, making these weekly uh, satirical comic strips for the New Statesman around 2012 I think was when I started and in, um, it was around 2014 when I just uh, you know just to make sure that I knew made sure that I was up to date with everything I was really like um, I was waking up to the Today program, which is an incredibly depressing way to start your day. <laughs> and um, generally, as as you know, at the time it felt like the news was pretty depressing, and it's just sort of, you know, I guess I didn't know how good I had it back in twenty. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I think around twenty fourteen, I just sort of um, the distraction that you know the sort of escapism that. For me, uh, tennis, I sort of fe- sort of fell completely in. That was when I sort of really started following the tour much more closely, and I uh, I think I must have had more access somehow um, to be able to watch a lot of the the other events. And so, yeah, just it was just like a nice bit of like being able to turn the rest of the world off for a second and just sort of disappear into tennis. Um, and so, as I got increasingly more into that I was also picking up books around the time about tennis and just sort of throwing myself into what about the periods I missed and what about you know like I definitely remember watching Agassi but um it was really nice sort of to read his memoir and be able to like fill in a bit more of that era and um and then yeah I picked up Elizabeth Wilson's book called Love Game and that takes you from like the beginning of the sport and how it was created straight through to like the modern era. And that was where I came across Suzanne Longman and I'd never heard of her apart from like the court name at French Open. Um, and as I just kept on digging around the subject, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, that coincided with just the fact that I wanted to, I think the reason I was sort of, falling more and more in love with tennis at the time because it was completely uh, off to the side of everything else and all of my other sort of pursuits and, you know, like comics were making me anxious or, you know, the comic industry was or politics was, like tennis was apart from that. Uh, But then I started to want to incorporate it into my 
into my life and draw about it. So I've, I've made the mistake of actually making it part of my sort of world. But, um, but, but yeah, I, I was so excited about her story and realizing that there wasn't that much out there about her in terms of like, there were a couple of books um, mainly out of print and um, it just sort of felt like her story really uh, fit a kind of like, I was just surprised that there wasn't like a, already like a couple of like biopic sport films about her already and there weren't documentaries and it, it felt like there was a story that sort of I, I really wanted to read more about. So that started the process of thinking about whether I could do it. That's fair. That's fair. And then, yeah. of course, you could. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I know that we've we've already discussed this in, in great detail, Tom, but for some <laughs> of our listeners who maybe didn't get to watch the, the recording, um, what was, in terms of, like, you, you did a lot of research into Suzanne to find out a lot about her. What was the most fascinating thing um, about her that you found out uh, in the like the, the whole process of, of, of doing your book? Yeah, um, well, yeah, I guess there were all of these like uh, headlines that I sort of, all of these bullet points of all her accomplishments um, immediately like strike you before you go in. So there's the fact that she would drink on during matches and you know drink cognac during matches or mm -hmm. the uh the uh, the fact that she um wouldn't wear a corset on on court and that led to like the flapper look because of the way that she dressed or that Wimbledon moved venue to accommodate the amount of people who came to see her or like all of these sort of like big headline things um I'm trying to think of the things that sort of like I discovered that weren't part of those headline things. I think ultimately it came down to re recognizing how many of her, like how much of her life sort of really um, almost like mapped onto various stories in tennis now and like how much, how much like things hadn't changed as much as they had changed. Um, I found that really I think that was my way in as well because it made sense to be able to look at modern stories in tennis and be able to mm -hmm. sort of draw parallels between them and and also that allows you to sort of live in that time period and make it not feel quite as like distant um yeah I think that's always the worry it was like oh no the 1920s it, that was all in black and white, wasn't it? And you know, mm -hmm. everyone looked really funny. Uh, and uh, now, yeah, it sort of made it more real if uh, I could sort of uh, draw parallels between the way, uh, like her relationship with the press sort of was very similar to Osaka's relationship to the press, or you could like draw parallels with, well, any tennis dads as coaches and mm -hmm. all of these sorts yeah. of things. Um, yeah, and that sort of allowed me to sort of like, yeah, find my way through it. So you um, also managed to become a bit of a 1920s tennis fashion aficionado by, <laughs> by doing this as well, didn't you? <laughs> so if we ever need any 1920s tennis fashion tips, just yeah. drop you a DM, shall we? Oh God, I mean, yeah, I'll probably pronounce everything wrong, but yeah, sure, sure, we'll say that. 
it's it's weird like um again you, like I'm, I'm wary of like treading too much over uh you know what what claire covered with you tom in your uh, in your in your chit chat and um, which will definitely link alongside this episode by the way so check out our description uh, for claire's chat with tom at a, a tom's book event um but uh you, you mentioned there about like looking back uh, through through tennis history back when it was like you know like it was on, it's in black and white it was aired on black white tv and things like that whereas uh, the color palette here um, with this book, and I'm looking um, for, for our audio listeners, I'm, uh, I'm looking at the book now. And um, the color palette is very not black and white. <laughs> it's very, very like it's it's beautiful. It, it, it truly got a lot of red and blues into it. Yes, a lot of red and blues. And uh, yeah, like they're like such a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, how like how did that come? How, how did that come about? What, what what was your thought process when 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 choosing that kind of color scheme really to to go with this story? Yeah, um, so I do, I do a lot of my uh, comics and illustrations with quite limited color palettes, mm. um, partly because I think it reduces the sort of decision making process if you're trying to, um, you know, if you're you're painting with a million colors or you know in RGB mode or whatever, like um, it becomes harder to make those contrasts work and get the right color theory right, and you know. Making it very simple allows you to essentially pick what parts of the illustration you're trying to highlight, what you're trying to say with colors and be quite intentional with mm-hmm. what you're doing with the colors. Because um, I've always been quite, um, I started out doing like comics in like a, a sort of little zines with um, purely black and white and I'd use half tone and I never felt very confident with color. So. It's been quite um, a long process getting to this this stage. Um, but when I sort of realized what I essentially wanted to do is just use two colors and every other color that I used within the comic would be a mix of those two colors. Mm. Um, it was just about making sure I sort of found two colors that would really help work in terms of telling the story of that, like the 1920s and what I wanted to say about it and what I wanted it to say about Suzanne as well and so the red is like it's got a bit of a clay look to it I wanted it to have a bit of um you know French Riviera you know clay court season sort of thing but it also for me like felt like the appropriate color for Suzanne in terms of her quite like fiery personality her passion um and then the blue I wanted a it really helps to have like quite a warm color and a quite a cold color generally, because that allows you to like, when you mix the, those two colors, you can really like uh, create a sense of, um, you know, uh, evening spaces and cold places. And, uh, but also like, I wanted the, the vibrancy of the 1920s and the jazz age to come out as well. So those two colors seem to work really well in terms of, yeah, I could like have quite a gray, cold look in London and uh, and use quite a lot of the blues there, but um, all of the kind of like mixes of these pinks and purples that come through uh, can, you know, uh, hopefully sort of like show off the glamour and the glitz of the twenties as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they do, for sure. Yeah, then, then when I sort of made those decisions, it was about like also trying to 
make little decisions with the coloring that would subconsciously sort of tell the story to the reader in different ways. So the, um, the book opens in the thirties, um, towards the end of Longman's life. And so you have, I wanted to be able to say a bit of the life has sort of gone out of the, the you know, the world in the thirties, it's not as bright and as glamorous as the twenties. And so everything is done in blue, in, in entirely in blues and then um you know when we actually get into her life and you know at her sort of imperious phase um you've got you've got all of that color and life coming back into the the picture and little things like that or um she's often wearing red and so if you ever have scenes where she's just wearing blue or you know hopefully that will say something to the reader and yeah i think um generally when it uh when you're sort of looking at like a 200 page book like this i think it's often about trying to set lots of standards for yeah. for the reader so but whenever you break out of them that um it'll be obvious that you're doing it and the reader will hopefully sort of think oh why why they started to do this why you know what does this coloring mean okay. i find it fascinating um the how much you were able to create by using just those two colors and, and the the emotions that you managed to portray in the book by using those two colors um because nothing about it looked limited or simple at all it was just you know it it, it looks amazing and um i remember when you were saying when we chatted before about just picking those two colors and then building on that and it, it's it's so creative and it's it's not even something that I would think about and it just goes to show the process that goes into the graphic novel like that's one of the sort of main elements you have to think about is right okay what's my color palette going to be and yeah I just I I absolutely love it and like when you read the book I find myself like not even I I wouldn't look at it and go he's only used blues and reds it wasn't actually until you pointed that out I was like oh wow like he has only used yeah, blues literally. and reds. Like, I'm looking through it now, looking for a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, wait, does he not use a different color? Yeah, look at that. Like, yeah. Uh, thank awesome. you. Can we do this every week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Complimentary. Complimentary. Um, so just want to talk a little bit about, you know, like tennis anecdotes and um you uh, were telling me that the other night you had your first proper tennis lesson. Yeah. And you really are an Andy Murray fan, aren't you, Tom? Because you've just done it in classic Andy Murray style and you got injured straight away. Uh, what happened so, there? I mean, I think I'm just a, a very frail c creature whose uh, entire body has atrophied from sitting down at a desk drawing all, all, all my life. But um, yeah, like I finally, I just, I, I played a little bit of tennis with friends and I just thought uh, it'd be good to maybe like just do a four week, uh, you know, course and just maybe get some general fundamentals and get a bit better. Um, this wasn't even during a match or even like a point, I, just like rallying in like service boxes with <laughs> a partner who was like a stranger and I was just running round the ball to, you know, because we're, um, I, think, I think it was during this practice where you're supposed to essentially hit it with your forehand. 
so that um, the ball goes up in the air. So and then you wait for it to land and you move around and then hit it with your backhand. Oh, yeah. OK. You know, very simple training. And uh, I think I was just moving around. I was running for the ball. And I must, yeah, I think I just fell on my ankle. My ankle just sort of fell away under, under me. <laughs> and uh, I managed to play the rest of the hour. And then I was limping home on, when I was walking back from the bus. Um, and yeah, I've basically been hobbling for the, I've done all the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the rice, is it the right, you know, the rest, ice, compression. Yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to. But, oh, God, yeah, and so I was just thinking of Andy Murray because I, I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to make the actual, the next lesson next Wednesday, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to be able to, like, well. You're going to need to channel your, your inner Iron Man, aren't you? Well, <laughs> you know? so I've been resting to sort of hope, hopefully, like, recover and make sure this isn't, like, turning into something worse. But I've, maybe, I've maybe, you should, maybe you should tweet Andy and get his advice. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I've got and bought ankle supports. Yeah, there you go. Yes, they work for Andy. Just like Andy. I have so obviously, obviously, I bought Andy's. Uh, yeah, of course. I used to wear them too. Yeah, I um, wear them too. <laughs> you guys will your Andy Murray ankle supports. Maybe I should get a set as well. Maybe I should get a ankle supports. They're actually really good. Like, yeah, oh, good. That's good to it's know. Just, it's just a shame he doesn't do hip supports, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Um, Tom, what is this? Is like this is it's quite a big open question. So you know, do feel free to delve into the archives. What's your favourite Andy Murray moment? Yeah. Um, oh God. Yeah, it's so difficult. I. Um, I think like I have such a strong memory of uh, being so I hadn't moved to Edinburgh at the time, but I'd um, I was here for the Fringe, um, and I was with a comedian called John Luke Roberts and, and my partner, and we were in a pub watching the Olympic final, um, and I just have such strong memories of like um, Luke sort of shouting at the TV, like, at Federer, sort of like, you're old, you're, out, you're past it, just give up. You know, like, wow. <laughs> and and obviously hard. it's quite interesting sort of revisiting my feelings towards Federer this year with his retirement because mm -hmm. yeah. certainly in the past couple of years it's been quite a, a joy to see him sort of back and like, oh, oh well, the past couple of years, I guess he's been out of it. But, you know, like when he had his sort of mm -hmm. 2017 sort yep. of like comeback. The resurgence, and, like, yeah. And, and sort of weirdly, like, I don't think I would have liked this back in the past, but the Australian Open final between Federer and Nadal, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. Like, uh, <laughs> I usually yeah. find this quite, like, I, I used to find this quite dull because it happened uh -huh. every week, but, you know. And then I was rooting him on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, just sort of thinking like most of my sort of tennis life, I think has always been sort of rooting for the underdog, uh -huh. uh, Andy Murray being a case in point. Um, and um, I think, yeah, sort of generally feeling like uh, Federer had always been that person that you were just rooting against almost because you he, he were so used to seeing him win. And so, yeah, yeah, I just remember like 
yeah, particularly Luke just sort of shouting different insults at him. Probably a lot more witty than I'm remembering because he's an actual <laughs> comedian and can do that. But um, yeah, and just sort of, yeah, like I don't think he was even particularly into tennis, but um, uh, like his partner was at the time and, and we were just, um, yeah, it was just like a really nice, I think we were possibly coming towards the end. Yeah, it would have been the end of, um, yeah, I think, is that right? It would have been, I can't remember when the Olympics was now, but it was definitely towards the end of August, I think. Yeah, I think so. For yeah. 2012, yeah. 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 Um, so it would also been, we'd have been up for like uh, most of a month uh, with quite like the intensive, like my partner's um, sort of like producing a show every day. And so like getting to the end of that, it was, so there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, joy at the sort of, end of a stressful period as well <laughs> that that is a, that is a good moment I mean that that Olympic final was just I think it was because just four weeks earlier yeah, he lost to Federer on the yeah. same the same court so like it was just to see him see him win was absolutely amazing and my yeah. memory of that was I'd been in Belfast on my hendu and um our flight back to Glasgow had been delayed so we were sitting in Belfast airport um all crowded around my iphone watching <laughs> watching the olympic final on on this tiny little iphone screen um like not just not just me and my friends but like these random strangers who were also flying back to glasgow and they were like oh have you got the money match on oh, <laughs> there was yeah. like oh. there was like 35 of us like going oh, absolutely that mental. is ideal yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, iconic, iconic. I, I, I think, I think that is why that match stands out as much as it does, though, right? Like because he did have that loss. Like, yeah, I think that's yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, and I guess that's that's before the U.S. Open win, isn't it? As well, yes, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's almost yeah. like the sort of almost proving to himself that he can do it. You know, because it even though it wasn't Wimbledon, it was on that same court, as you say, and it was, yeah, that. that he clearly, um, you know, it, it was important to him that he was representing Team GB at the Olympics. He won that medal for them. And so I, I really do feel like there was a kind of mental boost that really um, definitely. pushed yeah, him on. Definitely. Yeah. He's, he's, he's done so much. He's, we've achieved so much mm. over the years with Andy that, I mean, I... What are your thoughts on this, Artom? I personally feel that we should have an Andy Murray graphic novel. <laughs> would uh, I mean, would I... you be up for that anytime soon? <laughs> I think if it, if it led to like um, I got like uh, I got to like spend time with him. Oh, uh, that'd be so cool! Questions. I'll come along and do the words for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to do the draw, and I'll do the words, and we can just like we could spend like a week hanging out with Andy. Sounds good to me. Yeah, we'll set it up. We'll Wait, are me and Peter involved in that? Or yeah, we... we'll message Judy and then <laughs> talk. Yeah. yeah. We need like more of the background stuff. So call that <laughs> yeah. I've talked to Jamie before, so I could mm -hmm. just say, uh, hey, you know, exactly. we, we need your input a whole, as well. Like a whole Murray family graphic novel, yeah. couldn't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely, without a doubt, there's like plenty there, like... Mm -hmm. um, I do think it's like he does have an incredible story. I remember like when he, you know, we all thought it might be all over in that Australian Open. Um, yeah. 
and was it uh, Giri Nation? Giri Nathan wrote a really good piece about how, in an era of like these sort of godlike figures, like mm -hmm. we all fell in love with Andy because he was like the sort of mortal human yeah. doing it doing his level best to sort of keep up with them. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that there's a lot of, it, for me, that there's a lot more interesting stuff there to talk about and delve into. Uh, and not to say that there isn't loads to talk about with Federer or something, but I would find more interesting to say, something more interesting to say with that kind of like living in that era and being that person who isn't quite you know, you know, the yeah. uh, god of tennis, um, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. still managing to keep up there. Mm. Well, it's it's funny you say that. Like, just just still managing and just pushing on. There was a tweet today that Andy retweeted about yeah. the number of days that a person had been. Was it a number of days a person had been in the ATP tour or been in top ten or something? Yeah, until being they in became, the top ten. Okay. Being in the top 10 until they became number one yeah and carlos alcaraz is like 141 days in the top 10 before he became world number one and andy's right down there at the bottom of the list and like something yeah. like 3,493 days in the top 10 before he finally became world number one and he just puts that as i think that's what you call perseverance yeah and that could be the name of Andy Murray's graphic novel. <laughs> yeah. Perseverance. Uh, yeah. Um, sure. And actually, let's just let's just. We're just writing this it. book for but, you right but, now. I Tom, mean, like, even if you want ideas. it crowdfunded, like oh. sure, go ahead. Yeah. So, so you went with you went with a nice red and blue for Suzanne, and so for Murray, which will be the title of this one. Perseverance. Um, or perseverance sorry yeah no correct and um, what kind of colors what kind of colors are we are we thinking what, what uh, thinking for andy uh, personally it's got to be green purple and purple and green. Yeah, uh, yeah purple and green yeah purple purple and green is, yeah, yeah yeah so um I, yeah i did do a um uh a, a, like an eight page murray comic around the time when we thought he might be retiring for racket magazine and it was sort of um in collaboration with the nib so it's all uh, online there and I, I think I, I cut between like there was like a red and a red and blue um that was when he was playing Batista Agu during that match. Yeah. And then when I was cutting between that and like just talking about Andy's life generally, I think there was I think it was like a green, green and red or something. Mm. And I was sort of draped, yeah, kind of between the, those those colours. Um yeah, and that was yeah, that was really quite difficult trying to sort of like, how do you succinctly sum up uh, Andy's career in, in eight pages? <laughs> and also sort of oh. try and tell the story of that match because yeah. that was a match I remember watching while I was like trying, I was doing some work and I was like, mm -hmm. uh, I've got to have this on in the background. And so like, I've got like my iPad in, in the corner of the room playing that match. And just like for, throughout the course of that, that, that five sets, like just how, that iPad just moved closer and closer to me as I was like, you couldn't, you know, I couldn't tear myself away from it. It was like, yeah, it, it kind of like summed up everything. Like if that was his final match, it would have been an almost perfect way to say goodbye to like, because mm. it was everything about why I sort of loved, well, sorry, he's still playing. 
why I yeah. love watching an Andy, you know, Andy Murray. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And so I, I was trying to sort of like tell that story because it was like a really nice sort of narrative within that one match that sort of like summed up everything about him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely bizarre to yeah. think that, that could have been the final match of Andy Murray's career. Like we all thought <clears throat> that it, it could have been. And yet here we are. Recording an Andy Murray episode of Murray Musings. <laughs> yeah, like you know, three nearly four years later, we have got a we've got a listener. I wouldn't I wouldn't say her name because, like you know, she'll know who she is if she's listening to this podcast. She um she <laughs> she got so drunk the night that he announced he probably thought he was going to have to stop playing that she just spent the next day. Crying in our beds with a bottle of vodka, <laughs> she says, oh, and she phoned in sick to work. Oh, <laughs> in all fairness, like, yeah. that's understandable. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, you know, listen right here, guys. Like when the day comes, like because it is coming, where Annie Murray's career does it. I don't want to see the state of Murray Musings HQ at that point. Like. I'm not sure what we'll actually do or how I, I've not even thought about like what an episode will look like. Like of Mar- of, of Mar- I, I, I do genuinely just think it'll be an hour of sobbing. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, do, as well. I do as well. It's not it's not gonna be a fun one, but you know what? Let's 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 that's, move on. That's not gonna happen yeah, for five years. Yeah, yeah, let's move on because it's gonna how be do you more feel than about, um four years or so. Um uh, let's talk about um, any players that you want to watch out for for the next season. I don't know if you've watched Carlos Alcaraz and uh, Rune or mm. like any others uh, on the women's side, but if you want to make predictions or anything of how uh, people are going to do, go ahead. Um, yeah, I don't know if I want to make predictions because yeah, I was going to say yeah, like... it's way too early for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I was listening to your previous episode, your guest, uh, Marcus, um, Buckland, uh, yeah, yeah Buckland. um, he, he similarly was reticent to make any predictions. So I, 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 <laughs> I'm realizing like, yeah, that's, that's a smart move. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think earlier in the year I was feeling quite, um, uh, I, I, I guess I guess this might have coincided with like the Australian Open and everything that was happening with the Djokovic immigration thing. Uh, but generally, I was feeling quite down on the ATP in terms of like multiple men with like domestic abuse allegations surrounding them, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. uh, it was just quite depressing to sort of like. If certain people made it through to round sixteen, round of sixteen, you're like, well, there's a whole bunch of uh, matches I'm not going to watch. Um, yeah, yep. yeah, literally. Uh, yes. Um, so, so there's that. But I do feel like, yeah, you know, Alcaraz is incredibly fun to watch. Uh, seems generally sound. Uh, yep. Fingers crossed. You never know. <laughs> but yep. um, uh, he, he's really, you know. He's really fun to watch, but also if he does become the kind of like guy who wins every week, you're really mm. hoping for, you know, the sort of scrappy underdogs to come in and mix it up a little bit and, mm. you know, hopefully make it not a one horse race and yeah. all that. Yeah, get a few okay, matches in like center. 
Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, look yeah. at look at what happens for you know spoiler alert for, for anyone who's well, they're not listening right now, are they? Because we're recording, <laughs> but um. <laughs> And this episode's going out like next week, let's be honest. Yeah, so. <laughs> and he, speaking of Alcaraz and the scrappy underdog, lost yeah. to Holger Rune. Yeah, 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 to retire. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He, he, although he was down first set, wasn't he? In the second set, it was going to go to a tie break. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Holger I, um... would have taken it anyway. I'm not sure about Rune. Like he, uh, he, seems, he seems like he's got a bit of a funny energy about him. But like, I guess that's yeah. quite quite fun to watch. Uh, I feel I, like yeah, that's a very like... diplomatic thing to say, Tom. <laughs> yeah, Holger's he's a different character. <laughs> yeah, similarly. I, I think like a lot of people go, "No, he's only 19. He's only 19," which is true, isn't he? He is still a teenager, isn't he? But yeah, then. Yeah. Alcaraz is only 19. Yeah. And they're yeah. very, very different. Yeah. So or so, so they seem like in terms of like their own court demeanor. Yeah. Seems yeah. very different. Um, um and Stan Vavrinka uh was yes. overheard saying to him you need to of stop course. being such a baby yeah. on yeah. court. That is funny. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, hopefully hopefully he'll he'll grow out of the, the the way that he currently is yeah i feel yeah, like the, was, although I, i'm i'm scared to say much about him um because he seems to have some pretty hardcore fans on <laughs> on social yeah, media yeah a little um, too much and and i i tweeted uh the other day a, a, a quote retweet of him giving his blue steel into the camera when he was traveling from where was he traveling from Oh, wherever to Paris, mm-hmm. wherever he'd been to Paris, yeah. and he, he had his headphones on and his iPad, and it reminded me of a little kid in the back of the car on a long journey with the yeah. headphones and the iPad. So I yeah. tweeted, um, and I called him a wee pet, um, <laughs> with his headphones and his iPad, and you know, mum and dad sitting up front for peace and quiet, yeah. and yeah. they should have a nap, and I get called a troll. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. so, so he's got some pretty hardcore fans out there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think that's you I know there are a lot, lot worse <laughs> yeah well that yeah yeah that's the thing i mean yeah uh his like sort of those homophobic remarks and things yeah and that's a bit that like, um yeah. i'm but yeah that's the funny thing about tennis well, tennis Twitter, I guess, in general, but like the sort of standums and things. Like, I think, you know, there are those sort of, you know, the crocodiles in the bios that could be quite aggressive. Okay. About, <laughs> about, uh, Djokovic and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I do think, yeah, that Sinner match with Alcaraz was yeah. amazing. That's insane, uh, wasn't and it? And I'm, I'm excited to see that rivalry, like, uh, develop. Mm. Um, I also really enjoy Rublev. I don't know how people feel about this. In that his forehand is great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of his game, to him. His game him is pretty one-dimensional, and I do, I like someone who has a bit of variety. And like you know, Murray definitely had that, and like his tactical game was sort of unmatched, like or mm. is unmatched. Uh, whereas I think Rublev can be very quickly like 
pulled apart if yeah, um, certain true. things aren't working well for him. True. Yeah. That being said, I I saw someone write describe him as having dorky younger brother energy. Yep. And, <laughs> yeah. Yep. I really like it. That checks I, out. Like, yeah. Like his like when he started sort of basically tearing up when he was losing to TFO at the US Open in the quarterfinal, and you were like, he was sort of recognizing like why can't I get past this? Why can't I get into a semi-final? Like, why? I don't know. Like, my heart sort of melted for him, like a little bit. Um, I don't mm. know why. I just I like his real because whenever he gets um, seems to like let his emotions take over, he always takes it out on himself. He doesn't take it out on other people, and that's usually yeah. my sign of like um, when I sort of fall off. You know, when I see a player like take it out like curious sure. yeah right um whereas i you know it's not good for him clearly like no. uh, but when Rubev does it he does sort of seem to be quite self-flagellating i guess as a murray fan i've seen that a lot and yep. you know like you um i don't know i just sort of feel feel for him uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, but on, on the wta I, I i it's almost like you're spoiled for choice i'm really mm-hmm. enjoying it i love watching Jabir. Um, really enjoying seeing Coco Goff come through, but also how she handles her like her press stuff as well is really yeah. incredible. And yeah. she's like already sort of like I want to use this platform for good things, and that that's really good to see. I really uh, like Kazakina. Maybe that's why I like Rublev as well. I watched that documentary with uh, Kazakina and Rublev, and they both seem really like sweet and. Um, uh, then, yeah, you know, like, um, I really like screen tech. Um, I love the fact she's like reading like massive books, like while she's she like, yes, yeah. The, the, yeah. the great thing about that is, I, I, I always, I always want journalists to just ask her like what she's been reading like i yeah. always want to do that and it's always whenever she has asked her like because she has been asked a few times it's always books like way out like my field of like interest but it just it just fits her so well um yeah. like how much she's into it. and she must be one of the few players who does does talk openly about like when 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 asked about you know her reading habits like yeah. she's like, i just think it tells you quite a lot about 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 a person uh like w- what they're reading you know so i don't know yeah. it just it just speaks to me <laughs> oh, no. I, I really like it and i also like the fact that she's been very uh upfront about her you know like the fact she got a sports psychologist on so early so she talks yeah. about mental health i mean so does you know Osaka as well and they're both quite um mm-hmm. dorky they've both got quite dorky energy you know yeah. <laughs> i mean i guess ultimately they're all quite they're all jocks aren't they tennis players but um or like tennis players in the top 100 um and and but i like seeing that sort of dorky nerd energy come through with with more as well right or with Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah i guess i i I realized that in particular last the other night when i was playing the um doing the tennis lesson and recognizing me i'm 41 and i went to this tennis lesson where i didn't know anyone and and I was sort of like, uh, you know, one of the warm-ups is just to throw a tennis ball at the other person while you like sidestep across the, uh, you know, along the net and then run around the back of the court and back to the net and do it again. 
and I was like dropping the ball and fumbling and I was just sort of like oh my god I'm paying to sort of relive the trauma of PE lessons <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, but that's how I felt early on in my <laughs> tennis love because it's yeah. it's the nerd energy like comes out and Massively. it's great that we yeah. pretty much have aligned like players like Dasha Kasakina and others yeah. that are just amazing um yeah. so let's move on real quick um to uh some pop culture of your illustrations so you've illustrated a few things uh like easy a is easy a a perfect movie <laughs> yeah i think it might be it's been a long time since i saw it i was uh-huh. asked to um illustrate a film for this it's a really lovely collection um uh but, but every issue is just illustrations of uh films for that letter of the alphabet so i got e and uh yeah that was like the first film that sprung to mind i i have a real um soft spot for uh high school movies i've been listening to this uh podcast called uh i think it's uh, it happened at prom which is sort of uh looks at all those those different uh teen high school movies okay. i think there's a part of me that is like um likes it because it doesn't resemble my teenage life in any way and it's possibly what I wanted it to be like um I was diagnosed with Crohn's when I was uh 10 so I had quite a spotty sort of like um I was often away and you know not not at school and so uh yeah I think there's a bit of vicarious uh high school living through through a lot of these movies yeah I think Easy A might be like I hesitate to say like one of the last great ones because I don't know did you see Do Revenge? Uh, I have not I honestly I started watching it I don't know what happened I think I was uh about to watch a tennis match as well and I was just looking at Twitter and I'm like oh wait you know so and so it's coming on right now um but it it looked good so that's definitely Do Revenge is something that I'm definitely going to watch. I'll actually watch that later on tonight. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know what you think, because um, it's a funny one. It feels like it's two different movies. Yeah. And one of them is this really whole, like, caustic, nasty, Heather's style one. And the other one... Very campy. It, like, well, it, it wants it to be... Yeah, it wants there to be lessons and people to learn things. And, uh-huh. I don't think the two films necessarily meet, but yeah, I'd be interested. Let me know what you think. Will do. <laughs> uh, so you have drawn uh, Elizabeth Jennings from the Americans. Uh, have you drawn her in different wigs when you were drawing her? <laughs> She's definitely known for donning a lot of wigs. <laughs> I'm afraid not. No, that was uh, that was a nice commission, though. Like it's very rare that you actually get asked to like draw one of your favorite tv shows or whatever um yeah it's a particularly nice one yeah the americans <laughs> such a great tv show um okay you've also said that diamonds by rihanna would be suzanne's uh, walk-on song such what would be one. your walk-on song yeah i think when uh, claire uh, asked me um uh, during that book launch i think i might have said too much by Cardi jackson uh-huh. which I think I possibly maybe had in my back pocket for uh, another Longland one because I feel like that does suit her. I'm not sure 
if it does suit me. But I'm gonna have a quick look. Uh, <laughs> we always, we always, mistake, yeah. we always make this mistake of asking a guest, and they're always immediately like, "Give him a minute." <laughs> I, I reckon um, there's a band called Those Dancing Days. They're a Swedish. Okay. Of, um, uh, I guess sort of twee pop. Uh, um, I love twee. Yeah, oh, there's a lot of hand claps involved, um, and uh, there's a, a song called "Keep Me in Your Pocket," which I think uh, just has a very good uh, upbeat drum intro. But uh, I feel like I'm looking at things that would like get me, you know, get me going. Mm -hmm. I, there's a, a really cool, um, uh, <laughs> well, they were very cool like 20 years ago. Uh, Portland-based band called The Firmals, who uh, I really liked. And there's a, a song called Pillar of Salt, which um, I think would get me going. And the only other one uh, that I'm thinking, I'm just looking at the Spotify list of songs that I use when I'm in the gym. So this is uh, so I'm going by. Uh, My Chemical Romance, Na 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 Na. Okay. Nice. Uh, I think that nice. would get me going. I mean, there's yeah, a lot yeah. more Nas in the title, I think. So. <laughs> 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 I won't do that. Uh, I reckon one of those. Um, maybe Pillar of Salt. Yeah, by the Thermals. I'm going to say mm -hmm. that one. Nice. My final oh, one. Good, good choices. <laughs> Did we ever, so, like, I mean, what was yours, Peter? Did we get... Um, right now, um, I guess I would say... Uh, it's uh, junior seniors move your feet yeah. i think that would be a good one yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Got a nice remember, little jingle to it do you remember when we so like tom we interviewed um mark pecci one of uh annie murray's old coaches and uh <laughs> we asked him and like straight away without a doubt he was like uh something taylor swift hardcore swifty love it well all right <laughs> Fair enough. absolutely I love it like have you, have you uh, listened to the new album? Oh yeah, I, oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I actually haven't yet. No, Andy I'm, still Hero. I'm still working Andy my way Hero. through our back catalogue. Uh, <laughs> She's got about seventy five albums to get yeah, through. She, she seems to drop a new album like every other month. I'm like, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> and redo her old ones, which are good. Um, mm -hmm. So, do you have a favorite on her newest album, or have you listened uh, to a bit of it? I've been listening to Karma. Uh -huh. uh, and that uh -huh. one is a real earworm I think it's one of those ones that if I accidentally like listen to five seconds of it I will have that in my head for the rest of the day uh -huh. um, I think Bejeweled the one... is on my uh, list of like yeah. what I listen to quite a bit and uh, since I watch a few TikToks that mm. comes up quite frequently so yeah that's that's one for me um but let's move along to uh, your book again. Um, it's mentioned in the book that Suzanne had a younger brother who passed away at, what, I believe, age five. Um, do you think, given the time period, that he may have been the one pushed to play tennis instead of Suzanne? Yeah, I wonder. I, I A lot of this is inference because you can only learn, you know, so much from the books that are available and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of these people aren't alive to be able to ask and talk to but um i think in my head it it felt fairly clear that um 
Suzanne's dad, um, Charles Longman, he sort of saw the respect and admiration that tennis players received and the access to royalty and all of these things that came with it and um, wanted a piece of that and wanted that for Suzanne slash himself. Um, or at least he could then be like adjacent to it. Mm -hmm. And yep. whether or not Suzanne, you know, if the um, if there was a if there was a male member of the family who was fit and healthy, whether he would have gone down that road with with him instead, it sort of feels possible. Um, I mean, the re some of the um, the fact that like uh, I I don't think I touched on it in the book, but like Suzanne was like diagnosed with. Um, like bronchitis or, or or some sort of like lung lung problem quite early on um mm. and sort of uh being having like outdoor pursuits was sort of recommended but i wonder again that might have been another kind of like oh well you know you know she's gonna struggle like to be a, an elite athlete with this or you know this problem already um and maybe he'd uh, focus all his attention on 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 the other child but i yeah it's all sort of supposition really uh, and guesswork um uh but but yeah i guess that's one of the reasons why you yeah as you say you wrote the book because there was so much like untold and you know like it's still yeah almost guesswork when it comes to what what went on in her life in that regard um yeah. and yeah, that is really why you should go out and buy a copy of this if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and cool. just if you if you if you haven't got a copy and you would like one, but you're maybe not able to go out and buy one, we will be giving a copy away yeah, as yeah. Uh, yeah. part of the Money Musings Christmas giveaway, which um, and it's been uh, very kindly signed by Tom, so you'll be getting a. I don't, I don't know, I don't know why I'm showing this to the cameras or <laughs> yeah, for, for, for our listeners, Scott is holding it up and he, he looks fabulous with it. Um, so yes, we are going to be doing that. So stay tuned for that. Um, we've got uh, like just two final questions for you. Tom. Um, and one of them, one of them is about Andy. Uh, one more time, we're going to come back to Andy. And I've been asking all of our guests this that we've had in Murray Musings HQ of late. Um, and you know, I know you, you you're a huge Andy fan, and um, I'm not sure if you saw uh, him 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 play this week at all in his in his final match uh, earlier this week uh, of the year of the season of the year of the year of the year. yeah yeah that, you, you know, know what that was, we 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 had some people replying to Mar like some very amusing tweets about you know and like who I think m mistook like he was playing uh, Gilles Simon um in like his like what was you know his last tournament potentially uh, mm -hmm. but people kept on being like oh like oh is that is this andy's last tournament i was like yeah of the of the season <laughs> not of his career don't worry um but in any case what my question was was um what um how'd you feel how'd you feel about andy andy uh the andy murray 2022 version what do you think he has got left to achieve in his career um, if you don't think it's anything, that's fine. We will cry a little bit after you you finish you you, you sign off. Um, but we do want the truth from you on this. Like, what what do you see from him going into next year? Yeah, I I was actually going to ask you this earlier. I was, I was mm -hmm. curious what you you all think. So um, 
but I, I, I'll give my you answer. first. Yeah, yeah, you first. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I, I want him to enjoy it, and I think to an extent he is, but it's hard to tell with Andy sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think the amount of rehab he has to do in order to be able to play at this sort of level and the amount of work that he's putting in, it can't be fun to be going out like in the first round at Paris or, or, um, or, or sort of struggle to make more than two or three. Like, did he win three matches in a row this year? He might have done a couple he of times. He did a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. didn't Stuttgart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's gone to two finals this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I, I guess... It's a tricky one because, like, when you get to catch him play him like Andy Murray plays, and yeah. you know he goes down a break and he gets a break back, and he, he pulls off a few shots that you're like, "Oh God, I missed this." Uh, it's I'm really glad that he's still around and he's still doing it. Mm-hmm. There are times when I watch certain things happening. I mean. The other day, I managed to roll my ankle by playing at a warm-up uh, in a tennis lesson. I watch him, and I, I genuinely like worry about like him damaging his hip, yeah. you know, further or or, or, or mm. doing something that will like uh, hurt his, um, you know, future like post-retirement life. Which sounds ridiculous when you're talking about someone you actually don't know for real. Um, but I do. Worry. No, but we do know him. We do know him. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess, like, I'd really like to see him sort of like pull out a deep run at a Grand Slam and surprise us all. I don't know if I actually think it's possible. You know, when you like watch like Nadal and Federer come back. And they've been introduced to all of these different aspects of their game, like Nadal's sort of like coming to the net more better yeah. than always used to, but he definitely was shortening points. And you're sort of like, I wouldn't be able to do this. I know it's not easy. I can barely hit the ball, but um, I, 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 you, you get the sense that like Murray's not sort of like ready to be able to, or, or he's tried to introduce that aspect to his game but he hasn't been able to make it work and so he's playing the version of his game which is generally running a lot and yeah. being dogged in points and um, and if you're like just a few fractions off your what you were what was your best at that then you you know it's it's hard to see him like yeah you know going deep but all of that being said he also will win out of spite and Mm -hmm. like I think what we need is some like other high profile people other than Matt Spillender and people to just come out and start saying you can't do this he's got (laughs) yeah and he I I, bit reverse psychology there yeah yeah Yeah. in my head like I think whenever someone says something bad about him, he prints out their photo and sticks it in front of him on the treadmill and like, yep. you know, like, he, I, I feel like it really does give him like a real... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I don't know. I, I want to know, like, do you enjoy it? Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm finding it... Uh, 
like a year or two ago if you'd have said how do you feel like, I'd be like I don't care he has nothing left to prove I'm just happy to see him on the court I just yeah. want to see him play tennis I'm happy to see him play tennis but recently I think I, you're not, I, I, you're I, not. Like, <laughs> I don't know how are you how do you feel oh my god I want a trophy I want a trophy yeah. so badly uh, I need a so trophy. badly um, I will say Paris was painful. He was up oh what God. six four five three against uh, Simone, and he was just not good. Um, after that, um, and there's this part in your book uh, where I believe Suzanne is talking to her mom, possibly, um, and uh, there's text saying Paris has much more class, and I believe it's Suzanne saying that France could stand to lose a bit of class. Which after that I was like, "Yep, Paris is mm-hmm. uh, not my friend right now." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I I think I think we've probably. I mean, we've recorded how many episodes of Marine Musings, guys? Uh, like too too many at this point. But like, and we've we've sat and we've deduced like why Andy's going um for for a long while and. Uh, Claire's very much, you know, he's winning the Australian Open. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. He is winning. He is winning the Australian Open 2023. Yeah. I will yeah. be there to see it. He is winning it. Yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you gonna go? She is. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Absolutely. Uh, and and Peter, like what? Like what? What's your sense? Like I'm uh, much more optimistic um, than you, at least. Yeah. <laughs> but see, how, can, I, how can you be more optimistic I, than me, Peter? It's like yeah, I, I don't know about um, <laughs> winning well, the Australian one. Open. I yeah. I hope. I wish. That's mm. that's the one that he needs back from Novak, and I'd yeah. gladly steal a trophy from him. Um, <laughs> if Andy wants me to steal a trophy from Novak's uh, little <laughs> case, then yeah, yeah. little yeah. case, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and yeah. yeah, like I, I guess, like Peter alluding to the fact that maybe I'm more of a kind of like realist when it comes to Andy, uh, you know, and like I, I, I would I'm say very... pessimist, not realist. Yeah, you yeah. say realist. Yeah, very, you're goes. very pessimistic uh, about his chances. I, I think. I think I think the thing is, and stay tuned for uh, for an article coming from me that I've written. I've, I've written a few paragraphs uh, about about where what I think Andy is going to do next year. Um, but I, yeah, I, I like, like I don't know, I don't know, you, you guys. So we 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 message on Twitter, obviously, or like all the time when Andy's playing these matches, and um, of late, like whenever he's been playing one of these matches, that like you know, he's really struggling in, like, another first round or a second round or something. Like, I don't know, like, 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 I found myself getting so frustrated, like, at (laughs) him now, like, watching, like, these matches that I'm like, like, come on, man, like, come on, you've got to do something and you've got to produce something else other than what you're bringing here, because... And it, 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 it's so frustrating. And like with all that I said, and with all my like frustration, at, you know, how he's playing and things like that, I, I do, I do still have to believe there's something else, like, mm-hmm. like something like, like, and I'm not sure what form that's going to take. Um, whether that's an Australian Open title, which would be, uh, you know, astronomical, whether that is a, you know, a, a 500 title, whether that's a 250, like whether that's, a, yeah, like maybe like a challenger. one, one mm-hmm. final, well, yeah, one final, like tournament final somewhere, like anywhere at 250 or so, or like anything like that. Like, 
I have to believe there's at least one thing left, like something left for him. Uh, like, because I, you know, I, I have to, because he is still going out there. So that's, he yeah. obviously believes that there is. I, I think he is far past the point of, yeah, I'm just happy to kind of be here. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm happy to kind of be here because I don't think he is really like happy to just show up. Do you know what I mean? Like he doesn't look happy doing that. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm not saying Andy's, Andy's ever like finishing matches with smiles on his faces, but um, yeah, he, he's, he's obviously not. So I, I have to believe there's something else because he's not yet sat in a press conference after match and being like, yeah, this is going to be, you know, this date in the future is going to be it. So he's not set that yet. So he has to believe there's still something left. And because he still believes there's something left, I guess we have to believe there's something left. Like, we have to. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen him uh, cramping recently, so he must have yes. sorted that out, whatever. Yeah. Was that. Well, well he, he said did. that was part of the problem yeah, in Paris. He did, he did actually say, oh, really? yeah, so that's why he kind of, towards the end of that match, really wasn't moving for shots or like, kind of even slapping at shots, like really like uh, towards the end of that match. Cause I think he really felt it in like in the middle of the second set and then managed to, you know, almost win it anyway. But yeah. And I think that is really why in the end he wasn't reacting to anything he was doing and just looked like in a way he'd kind of given up a wee bit because mm-hmm. I think he felt the, like you didn't see him stretching as much, but I think the reason for that is he wasn't running as much. And I think the reason for that is because he felt, you know, if he did, it was just going to be the same thing happening again. Yeah. So, um, yeah. always yeah. worrying when you see Murray losing and he's not reacting because you're like, yes. oh, that's for it. me, it's like the it's it's he does the shoulder slump and the head goes down, and that's when you're like, oh no, it's him. He's done. He's mm. done. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very much an interest one, isn't it? Because like I think in the early stages of his career, like you know, we'd be like, oh, you got to hit harder, Andy. You've got to be more aggressive. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And it's like, like, it's crazy to see that, like, now at this stage of his career, like, at, like it, it's it's pretty bad that, like, when he is cramping, because there's been multiple times, multiple matches where he's been cramping up late. And when he does start cramping, like, he hits some of the biggest shots. <laughs> like, he just, because he's given up, so he just absolutely rips a forehand or, or a backhand for, like, a winner. And you're like, Okay, Andy, not like that. You can't do that every point. Uh, and that means that you've given up already. So this is not a good sign. So um yeah. yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. I think that's first and foremost what he has to work out, whether or not it's possible for him to get his body into a position where it doesn't start cramping in the middle of a you know professional tennis match. And mm. if if he can, great. If he can't, then obviously that's something that I guess he's gonna have to you know, rationalize and, you know, wrestle with. But yeah, I guess we're all sitting here hoping for something, right? Hoping for something else, right? So Yeah, I think maybe he's probably coming away thinking that this year has been a bit of a disappointment. And yet, this has been, in terms of match wins, this has been his most successful year since 2016. Yeah, madness. Madness, consider that. Like, because this, I guess, is his real first full season, I guess, since... Mm -hmm. Almost yeah. like 2017, I guess, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's certainly an interesting one. Um, but we'll all we'll all keep our fingers crossed. That's <laughs> yeah. what yeah, we yeah. all do. Remain optimistic. Yeah, we'll maybe that's, that's that's really interesting. This has been his most successful year since since mm-hmm. then. In terms mm-hmm. of like, I think that goes to show how much we're expecting. 
yeah or, yeah. or what he's expecting of himself and what he like he, he's not shy of putting it out there and saying like I'm looking to like win this many ma- more matches. Yeah. I'd like to like you know win this, and mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. to do a deep run at the grand slam. So like we all have it. We all know what his expectations are. Yeah. So you kind of think, oh wow, you know, like Murray isn't, uh, you know, yeah. like he he isn't like overly. Mm-hmm. He's never struck me as someone who's like overly optimistic. Like he he oh. seems like quite a realist, and so you're like, yeah. well, if he thinks he can do it, then. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I guess I guess we have to too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <absolutely>. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's yeah. what we're here. Uh, Claire's <laughs> winning, winning me round. I think he's going to win the Australian Open. And that I guess going to bring us on to the very final question of of our recording. We've already chatted longer, like than than uh, like you you've, you've, you've been more willing to stick around than. You know, we always feel like when we have a guest on for longer than an hour, they're like trying to jump out the window to get away from us. But, uh, <laughs> we appreciate you sticking around as long as you have from, uh, for the uh, for the final question. Um, and I think it's a really nice question to end on, actually. Uh, what is a highlight of your career so far? Is it the publication of, of, of Suzanne? Is it appearing on this episode of Murray Musings? I think, you know, I think yeah. that's really, but... Um, yeah, what what would you say? What would you say? Say it's a highlight. Um, yeah, or I think that's always the one, isn't it? You you hope the highlight is still to come in your life, right? In your career. Stop but... interrupting, Scott. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't talk too much. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I guess I guess it is it is Suzanne. I think having like a debut graphic novel. I've been like making comics sort of on and off for the past like fifteen years. And this is my first sort of, um, yeah, you know, graphic novel that I've written and drawn myself. And it was such a big project. And yeah, like took me two years to draw it. And I'd researched it for like two or three years before that. Um, It was such a big deal. Um, It was also like, I've been doing a lot of nonfiction comics for quite a while. And this is like, obviously partly nonfiction, but there is sort of, a lot of fiction in it in terms of I've, I've had to invent a lot of the scenes and figure out my way through telling this story that is true but there isn't that you know uh, I've told it in a fictional way um I think that really gave me a lot of um confidence that I can do that and seeing that as a stepping stone towards like writing more fiction has been like giving me you know so much I've got like two or three other things on the go now and um yeah so that's been really important for me um so yeah I think it must be that but like there were various like little um highlights along the way but uh I have one of those sorts of um uh my friend calls it the whole holy cheese sort of uh personality brains where uh all the good things fall through oh, the yeah. holes and all the bad things stick. No. So okay, yep. I think um, whenever those sort of milestones come along, those milestones do constantly come along, uh, you sort of almost like your brain just immediately glides over it and you're like either looking to what's next or you're looking at uh, your peers and comparing, you know, mm. and forgetting that you're running your own race and etc. So... Um, it's very yeah. When asked a question like that, I always think, "Oh, what have I done? Have I done anything?" Like, I definitely have. Like, I've won, you know, I won an award. That was really nice. And there were certain like milestones along the way that were really great. But yeah, I always struggle to think what they are. That's fair. 
I think that's just like being quite um, humble, isn't it? About about what you've achieved, and 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 I think quite a lot of people do that, you know. Because if you're asked, oh, what's 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 been the best thing you've ever done, you're like, um, I don't know, but I could tell you about all the times I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, this list. Uh... <laughs> One and only, I'll get started. <laughs> and I think on that note, that is the perfect way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, thank you so much um, for joining us this evening. It really has been a pleasure chatting to you again. Yeah, like um, and it was great this time to be able to go into more detail about Andy because as much as I tried to shoot horn Andy into our chat previously I, <laughs> I really was aware that it was it, it was all about you that evening and not Andy Murray which is quite hard for me to get my different concept so yeah thank you for for coming back and, and chatting with us tonight it, we've loved having you on um, and I'm sure everyone who has listened has enjoyed um, your tales of how Suzanne came to became a went from being a dream to a reality um, and yeah we'll be like we said main, we mentioned earlier we will be giving away a copy of Suzanne as a, a Christmas prize um, so yeah thank you once again thank you to everyone for listening in we always uh, enjoy it when you make it this far um, I have been Claire he's been Peter he has been Scott the non-chatty one and uh, the star of the show this evening has been Tom Humberston thanks very much for listening everyone take care bye hi I'm Andy Murray and you've been listening to the Murray Musings podcast mm-hmm.